Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Jacob's Well podcast. This week we're beginning a new series called Family, It's Complicated. And this week we're going to be asking a really important question. We're going to be asking, what's in your box? It's kind of a fun message. I think you're going to really enjoy it. So here we go. So what's in your box? Do you got a box? I got a box. You know what I'm talking about? When I'm talking, of course you know what I'm talking about. I just started talking about it. What I'm talking about is that, that box you have in an attic or a storage unit, or in some kind of a chest, or in a back closet, that holds your memories. You got a memory box? You know, one of these boxes where every now and again you find it, you look, oh yeah, there was that time I went to the game with my, with my son, the first Packer game, and then there's my yearbook that's going to keep me out of public office in any way, shape, or form. You know, there's old awards and degrees and, and trophies and, and, and there are boxes in our house of little drawings that our kids did over the years that say daddy and, and are special in some way. There's other things that are important. Uh, I've got this little plaque that's uh, hang, hung on our family cabin for years and years, and we had a forest fire, and our cabin burned down, and, and that reminds me of, of many things. I've got a letter here from my dad, just a, a letter that he had given me one time. I've got my communion book. This was my book for my first communion. I remember that day distinctly. God met me in a really powerful way that day. I, I've got the, the crucifix that, that hung uh, over my bed since I was a kid. And, and these are just a few of the things I found in my actual box when I, I dug it out and, and dusted it off. I also found this. I found um, uh, some of my uh, love notes to my wife. You want me to read a little bit? Might make it a little awkward, but let's just risk it. So, so this is actually the year we were married and uh, first Valentine's Day. Okay, So I drew a card and everything, and, and I said, my Whitney. I don't even know how to say to you, what to say to you other than I love you. You have made me so happy over these past six months. I can't even tell you. This Valentine's Day, I can't buy you anything expensive or fancy because we are very broke. <laughs> but I can offer you this, my love and my affection in my heart. It hurts not being able to buy you something. You don't know how badly I want to buy you all the chocolate in the world. All I have to give are these coupons that I hope you will use often. And there's some coupons here for a back rub and back scratching and hugs and kisses and cuddles. And what I've learned over the years, though, is the coupon she wanted was doing the laundry for a week, diaper changing for a full 24-hour period. But, but this is my box of memories. you got a box of memories, right? You, you got this. You know, the, the thing about this box of memories is that so much of what goes in the box is kind of a, a metaphor for what goes into our life. It represents our experiences, right? It represents our relationships. It represents, you know, the good things and the bad things that have happened to us. And, and inside of us, spiritually speaking, all of us have a box. The things that we have stored up that we've gotten from family and, and parents and, 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 and spouses. And, and the truth is there's a lot of good things. There's the stuff we keep. There's the stuff we display. But there's some other stuff in our boxes, right? There, there's some difficult things. Maybe you got some things in your, your boxes like a broken picture of a family that used to be together but divorce came into your, your childhood and, and that's in your box. Maybe for you there's a pendant of a university that you wanted to get into, 
but you didn't get into and you didn't get to go there maybe because of grades or finances or some other thing or, or, or maybe a, an unplanned pregnancy that all of a sudden came and, and changed everything. Maybe for you, it, it's, it's a, a manuscript you wrote or, or a picture of a lost love or, or some other thing that carries some kind of a, 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 a hurt with you. You see, we all have a box inside of us. And, and one of the questions I want to ask you to really take seriously this year and this week, particularly as we talk about family is what's in your box. Now, as all of you, I came from a family. I've got a a picture of my family here. Let's go ahead and put that up here. Uh, I am the baby here. Let's try that again. Okay. All right. Very good. So cute. And, And after a while, we grew up a little bit. And there I am in the middle again with hair. Right? I was so hunky. And of course, then I went on to have my own family. And this is a little picture of my own family here. And we all have a family, right? And here's what I want you to understand this weekend particularly. Is your family put stuff in your box, right? And they put good things in your box. And they put other stuff in your box. Am I right? And so what you need to do is understand what's in your box. Now, you also need to understand this. Everybody in your family has a box too. So this box represents the generation that went before me. This is my mom, this is my dad, this is my aunts, my uncles. It's primarily my parents. And I actually have in this box an actual box that belonged to my dad. My mom gave this to me recently. I've kind of become the family historian and I do genealogy and kind of geek out on that stuff. And so she started sending me all dad's stuff, and I get other relatives sending me papers and pictures, and I just love it, and and there's the stuff they felt obligated to keep, but they didn't know what to do with, so they send it to me, and and I love it. And inside here are just some things. This is a watch that my dad got for years of service at a company, and he wore it proudly, remember it on his arm very distinctly, and this for me represents the work ethic that he had. And, And you know, this is in his box, but that work ethic was also something he get in my box. And so now it's in my box too. There's a lot of other things. There's some scriptures in here. There's little things I don't know where they came from, where they're important. One thing he has in here are a bunch of these little coins. These coins are about sobriety. There's a one-year coin and a five-year coin and there's a been-through-the-program coin. And, and this represents some endurance, but it also represents some compulsion and, and, and some tendencies towards addiction. And, and, and I'm afraid he's put some of that in my box too. And there's other things. But the point is, is that, that he is putting things in my box. My mom is putting things in my box. And if I'm not aware of what's in my box, I, 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 I'm kind of at a disadvantage. Because here's the deal. This represents the current generation. So this is my, my spouse and my kids and to some extent my brothers and sisters. But primarily my kids. And, and here's what you need to understand. Is you're putting things in other people's boxes. He said, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not influenced. Yeah, you are. You see, you don't understand. I totally ignore other people. <laughs> well, that's called neglect, and that's going in the box. Here's one of the th- big principles. You can't help putting things in people's boxes. You can't keep 
from influencing. And, and here's what we're going to discover, is that there's a ter- certain point where the generation before you has been heavily putting into your box, and, and, and your generation, after you start putting in their box, but there's a tipping point as this generation gets older that you start putting things back in their box. And actually, if you're parenting well, as your kids are coming to the age, they're putting things in your box. They're teaching you, and we're going to say more about that in just a little bit. So what I want to do is I actually want to look at a passage of Scripture that will guide us to actively think about what's in our box and what we're putting in other people box, other people's boxes. Now, now before that, let me say a couple things about um, these boxes. Uh, the first thing I want you to understand about these boxes is this. You can't put in someone else's boxes, someone else's box, what you don't have. All right, let me say that again. You can't put in someone else's box what you don't have. This is what's wrong with the drop-off mentality of parenting. That I'm going to drop off my kids at school and they're going to teach them character and development and all that kind of thing. I'm going to drop them off at church and we're going to got them up. You know, I actually have parents tell me all the time, hey, my kids are in real trouble. Uh, will you tell them about God? Will you bring them in? I'm going to drop them off. And, and you can kind of get them straight. And, and here's the problem. If you don't have it in your box, you can't put it in their box. But here's the thing with parenting. We believe here, check it out, you're the spiritual champion in your kid's life. So it's important for you to be actively thinking about what you're putting in your box. Now the, now, the second thing you need to understand is that there may be some things in your box that you're not aware of. And consequently, there may be some things you're putting in other people's boxes that you are passing on that someone gave to you. And so it's important for us to regularly and routinely and say, okay, how do I handle this? And how do I look at this? And, and, and how am I coming across in this way? And where did that come from? Am I going to pass that on? Is that a good thing or not a good thing to pass on? The, the, the third thing is that, is this, is that, is that you are always putting things in people's boxes. In fact, you can't not. I've already said that, but, but you're actively currently now making some kind, listen now, some kind of investment in the next generation. You are investing in the next generation. It may be good, it may not be good, it's probably somewhere in between, um, but, but, but this is, this is, um, this is the, the, the truth. One other big thing you need to understand about your box. There are things, listen, Things that have been put in your box that maybe have been passed down from box to box to box over generation that you can take out. You can break chains. You can stop cycles. This could be the generation where anger leaves your family. This could be the generation where guilt and shame go away. This could be the generation where that thing that everybody says, yeah, that family kind of this way or that way or addiction, whatever, this could be the generation where things change powerfully in an amazing way. We're going to talk about that. So let's talk about filling our box a little bit. Now, the passage of Scripture I want to look at is a passage of Scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. And it's one of the most important passages in the entire Bible. And it's important for us to look back and to grab that again because one of the things we've discovered about family is that it's complicated. I mean, we're calling this series, right? Family, it's complicated. How many of you smiled when you heard that title? You said you have no idea, right? So I ask you, how was Christmas for your family? And some of you go, oh, complicated. 
It's complicated. How's your marriage right now? It's complicated, you know. How's your brothers and sisters doing since the death of your mom and the whole estate thing? How's that going? Well, you complicated, right? How's your kid doing with that thing that they went through? It's complicated. It's complicated. You know, what makes it complicated is just life is complicated. You never get to work on one problem at a time. It seems like you lose your job, get sick, and marriage problems come come at the same time, and then you get a call from the school, right? And that was Tuesday, right? It just come in waves. So it's complicated in ordinary times, but I really don't believe we live in ordinary times. It is more complicated even to the fine family than ever before. I mean, I don't know if you realize this, is that people are kind of getting kind of cool about the whole concept of marriage and kids. Do you know that in our country right now, the average age, now listen now, the average age of people getting married is 32. Okay, 32, you heard that right. And more and more couples are saying, you know what, I don't know what I'm going to do the kid thing. I might adopt, might foster care, might not do anything. It's a crazy world, it's super expensive. I'm not making the money my parents made, I don't think I can afford kids. And so we're kind of saying this whole thing that even what is family, family's being redefined. I mean, there's wonderful step families and there's single parent families and there's groups of people just coming together and kind of surviving together and calling themselves families. In addition to that, we have just moral questions and social questions coming up. The drug thing is really at a different level and it's at a different level for us because it's closer than it ever was before. The serious, serious, serious drug problems used to be in cities. Now it's in small towns. In addition to that, our culture is asking questions about sexuality and gender and other stuff and parents are coming to us like weekly saying, I didn't know what I was going to have to do with his parents but I didn't know I was going to have to deal with this. And I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. And it's a very complicated time for us to be parenting. And so it's important for us to come back to this. And for me, this is one of the more foundational verses in the entire Bible about the perspective we have to have when we talk about parenting, living in marriage, doing family. And it has to do with what you're filling yourself with so you can fill other people with. Now this passage of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 is called the Shema. And it's literally something that Jewish people have been saying every day for like 5,000 years. I mean, it is a powerful passage of scripture. It is a centering passage of scripture, and it's full of meditation, worthy time. It's full of insight. Now, I don't want to go deeply into some of the background theology, because Joshua, our youth pastor, is actually going to teach on this here later in the spring. We're doing a whole series on the wilderness wandering. It's going to be really very powerful, but Joshua's going to really unpack this. But I want to look at it in reference to what we're talking about in terms of family, and specifically parenting here today. He says this. He says, says hear. So he says listen. This is a focus. He says pay attention. Listen, listen, listen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord. Look at this. Our God. And so this is a communal thing. This is the God that's going to define us as a community, as a people. What he is like is what we should be like. Hear, O Israel, our God. Look at this. Is one. No, he doesn't say make him number one. He doesn't say make him the center. He says he is number one. He is the center. He is reality. And and what he wants us to understand is that when you build your life around anything else, you're building it around something temporary, something ordinary, and something that's not reality. And so you build your life, you build your family around this one God. He says, hear Israel, the Lord our God is one. Verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God. Look at the first word. What's the first word? You see it? It's underlined there. 
you. And so this command begins with working on you. And this is one of the huge mistakes that people make is that they, they, they go and particularly when we're talking about parents or making our, our marriages, we say, what can I do to get my wife, to get my husband to act the way I want them to act? And, and sometimes people come and they're saying, they're doing all these terrible things. Say, yeah, those are all terrible things. What can I do to get them to change? Really not anything until you start with you. Parents will come and say, what can I do to help my kids love God, know God, do the right things, be the right things? Well, it starts with you because you are investing in your box. And if it's not in your box, you can't put it in anybody else's box. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And so your priority, the first responsibility you have as a husband, as a wife, as a, as a parent, is to be a growing, deepening Lover of Jesus, to be a person who is making Jesus more the center of their life. That is the best thing you can do for your marriage. Before you do anything else, there's all kinds of things you should do, books you should read, conferences, all kinds of things, you can do all that. But before anything else, fall madly in love with Jesus and love him with your mind and your strength and your soul. Make him the center. The best thing you can do for your kids is then fall in love with Jesus. And and so that Jesus is who you are and he's the center because then the rest of this becomes possible. It starts with the you in this. But by the way, if you're married, you know the best things you can do, one of the best things you can do for your kids is love your spouse. Do not put your kids above your spouse. Because when, you're, when you do that, you're getting the order all messed up. Listen, you need each other together to raise these kids together. And so it starts with you looking inside. And so that's some of the work we're going to do this week. Verse 6, he says, and these words I command you today. And so what are the words? Well, it's the, the, the Old Testament law specifically, but it's the entire revelation of God in the Bible and in Jesus. He says, these things I have shown you about myself who I am, what I care about, what I'm like, that I'm compassionate, that I'm slow to anger, that I'm abounding in love. These things that I have commanded you, have shown you, shall be on your heart. Let me ask you a question. What's on your heart? What are you passionate about? What do you care about? Because here's the deal. What you are most passionate about, what you are, are, are most, just what you consider to be the most real, the most important, what is on your heart is probably going into the box of the generation behind you. So if it's your job, if it's your fame, if it's your reputation, if it's some sport or some hobby or appearances, you know, uh, you know uh, how, how you look in front of people, all those kinds of things, if that's what's on your heart, that's what's in your box, that's what's going in the other box. And so what we see here is a command to do a heart check, to look and say, what do I value? What's important to me? Because from that is what I'm supposed to do the second part of this command. Because in verse 7, he says this next thing, so important. He says, and you shall diligently, in the Hebrew, the word there is to impress, is to impress, is to influence these things onto your children. These things that are, first of all, things that you have pursued, these things that you have put in your heart, you then impress them on your kids. You teach what you have. You don't teach them what you don't. One of the worst things we can do as parents is talk to kids about having values we don't have. Or to impress on our kids spirituality that we don't have. Do you know what that's called? It's called hypocrisy. And, it, and, and listen, youth particularly 
have a huge smell test on that. They can smell it from a million miles away. Now, I'm not saying you need to be perfect or you need to fake it. What I'm saying is, is you make Christ the center. And when you're struggling spiritually, you know, one of the best things you can do, particularly with your teens, is find a way to honestly express that. So that when they struggle with their faith, they said, my parents did it and they ended up loving Jesus. I guess struggling is part of the deal. See, you want them to learn to struggle well. That's why you communicate it. So not being fake, not being phony is really super important. And, and so again, to, to impress on them things that you haven't internalized yourself, to ask them to have a heart for things that you don't have a heart for, that, that's totally, the, you're going to get the opposite result of what you think you want to have. So he says, teach them diligently to your children. And, and notice these next things, because what's described here, oh man, is a process that takes time. Your family needs time. Your family does not need quality time. You, you know what quality time is? You've probably heard me talk about this before if you've been around. I just have a special dislike for quality time. Quality time is I can ignore you most of the time, but then I'm going to bring you on a fancy vacation, and we're all going to be together whether we want to be or not. And I'm going to love you, love you, love you. And the kid said, quit loving me. You know, kids are like, oh no, family time. What's being described here is having enough rhythm and breath in your life so that you can do this. He says, so, so these things that you're impressing on your kids, you're teaching your kids, you shall talk about them. You shall talk about them. And so you learn to communicate. You say, I don't understand, it's really hard, my kid won't talk to me. There are ways you can do that. There are tools. I'm going to talk to you about some of the resources that we're bringing to the table. And, and just for you to say, it's complicated, I don't know how I'm going to give up, that, that's not good. That, that's, you're giving up on your kid. You're putting something in their box. There are ways you can learn to talk to them. He says you talk to them when you sit in the house. Now, in order to do that, you need to be home a little bit. You need to actually have some time together. You need some breath in your schedule. You have some meals together. It's been the experience that I've had in raising my five kids that, that the most profound, important, spiritual, and, and, and just changing, paradigm-changing conversations I had with my kids were unplanned. They were when we were having breath and we were doing a puzzle over Christmas. Or we were driving somewhere because we are going to do something together. Or I started a texting conversation just to connect with them and say, just one of them, I'm loving you, praying for you, how the tests go. That I'm constantly talking to them and they roll their eyes. But let me tell you something. They roll their eyes, but their heart sings. Because they want you to know that even if I push you away, you're going to press in. You're going you're to get to know me. You're going to learn to talk to me, respect me, and listen to me. And, and so you shall talk to them when you sit in the house. Look at this. When you walk by the way, and when you lay down, and when you rise up from morning to evening, because God is who you are, and he's the center of your life, and you love him with your passion, it's just the natural thing that he comes into every conversation. And so when your kid does something great, what does God have to say about that? We, we thank God for the ability and we praise him for, for the things we, 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 we've been gifted with, the talents with. We make it about God and his glory. When your kid makes a mistake and fails, and maybe fails pretty bad, what do you do? Well, there's a God of mercy and there's a God who teaches us to learn from these things and, and, and you own our responsibilities and, and it's an opportunity to teach. When your kid has another kid that rejects them, how do you bring God into it? Well, we have a God, Jesus, who was rejected by friends. And that hurts. And, and I get that that hurts. And, and you find a way to bring God into the conversation. And it takes time. It takes practice. It takes training. It takes learning from people who have done it well. We're going to talk about all of that in just a little bit. But it takes time. 
Do you realize how little time you have with your kids? If you've got a brand new baby and they're going to move out when they're 18, you have about 216 months. If you have a student who is in high school, you have less than 48 months. If you have a senior in high school, you've got like eight months, right? And that time goes like this. And so you've got to make family time a priority. He says you shall bind them as a sign in your hand. They shall be a front line between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And he's not talking so much about literally what's going on there. What he's saying there is that you have the ability to influence people in profound ways by filling your box and then actively filling their box. Now let's talk a little bit more about these boxes, okay? Because I kind of want you to understand how this works, lest you get the idea that you have to be perfect to do this right because it doesn't work that way at all, at all. So, so here's the deal. We get things placed in our box. Now, understand that anything that came from the generation before, somebody put this in their box. And one of the coolest things I've found you can do is to go back and look at your genealogy and you can actually identify family patterns. You can a- a- emphasize family patterns of work, of addiction, of, of courage, of faith. Throughout your family. And, and maybe, maybe in this box, someone put some anger. You know? And so this is what they knew. One of the, the most healing things that happened to me, particularly for my father, was when I heard his story. And I did not hear his story till he was adult. It would have helped me a lot if he would have told me his story before that. Now, understand my father didn't have James Dockson, and nobody wrote books, and there wasn't a podcast... And he did not have the resources we had. Churches didn't talk about this stuff, although the Bible does. And so so my dad's parents died when he was four. And he was raised by a grandmother who was not a nice person. And so there was anger here. And and he put some of that anger in my box. And to be honest with you, particularly when I was a young father, I I put some anger in, in my kid's box. So, so I got this anger thing. And, and, and at the same time, there, there may be somebody, they're putting some humor, they're putting some good things there. This is a person who learns how to laugh at life in a really cool way, and, and, and that's an honest. You know, now, now, the other thing you might see is that there may be a family pattern of dishonesty. And it may not look like real dishonesty because I just keep a few things from work and I cheat on my taxes and I don't always tell the truth and my business dealing. And so it gets passed on here. And then don't be surprised that it, it grows and manifests in this generation so your kids are okay doing some things dishonestly. You say, wow, where did they get that? Well, it was put in their box. Another may get compassion. You know, this idea that people matter and it was placed in their box and maybe pain taught it through generations before and it got put in this box and passed to another box. Here's a big one that people don't realize is generational. And if you recognize it was generational, it could help a lot, is anxiety. Anybody have a mom who worried all the time? And now you worry all the time and you wonder why your kids are stressed out. Because you may be communicating a pattern of anxiety. There may be some things in your box that you didn't realize were in your box. Remember I said that? Okay? It, it might be something like this. I talked about my dad. Gave me great work ethic. Whenever he worked, he worked hard. And I like to work. I'm the guy. I, I just like to do hard work. And, and I can, this is one that has come down through the generations. Prejudice. 
You know, and it's deep. I, I can't, uncles and aunts said things that now if they said them. And, and here's the deal. We all say, oh, but I'm not prejudiced. If I were to ask everybody, are you prejudiced? 95%, I'm not prejudiced. But here's the truth. We are prejudiced. We have opinions and things. There are parts of history we choose to ignore. They're just things. And, and this is kind of a cool dynamic that's happening right now. Is that when this generation, my generation, tries to put it in the box of my kids, my kids aren't having it. They actually push it back. And they, listen now, they are actually teaching me to take it out of my box. So you can learn from your kids, particularly when they come to age. This is a generational thing, guilt. You know, anybody else grew up Catholic? You know? Some of you just said, oh, I do guilt. It's so terrible. Do you realize that, just how wrong that is, right? (laughs) Seek help in the prayer room. All right, so here's the deal. Guilt goes on. Your kids do things and they just are crushed. They don't get an A, so they feel shame. But here's the other thing we can pass on. I can go back in my family and I can see this, this, this generation of faith. Now, now, here's what I want you to understand about this. Is this can get all, all mixed up. But, but here's the deal. When you take time to think about what's in your box and you let the Holy Spirit speak to you and say, Jesus, this is it and it's kind of messy. There's some good stuff and there's some bad stuff in there. Will you bring some things to light? That you want me to just say, you know what? I, I got anxiety and I learned it from my mom. I learned it from my dad. I learned it because our family broke apart. And when it broke apart, it just seemed very frightening. And, 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 and it's time for me to deal with that anxiety. And you know what? I passed some of this on to my kids. And, and you know what? One of the best things you can do with your kids to help them be free of it is talk about it. We actually say, I, I, I did this actually even last night driving home in the car with one of my, my kids. You know, that there's some things I passed on, I recognize. I just want to ask one of my kids, what are some things that I passed on that you don't like? We just started having that conversation. And, 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 and all of a sudden, then it gives them awareness. And awareness is power. It says, you know what? I don't have to have this. I don't have to own this shame. I don't have to own this guilt. I can choose a better way of honesty. I can replace it with the truth of Christ. And these things, these things can end. These things can end with, with the last generation. See, I can, I can take it. So when you as a family become aware of it, and you talk about it. So, yeah, I see how grandma's that, that kind of thing. Then it becomes this incredibly powerful thing where, where chains are broken that may have lasted hundreds of years. Where, where it stops here, Christ redeems it. But it takes the courage of living out the Shema where you say, we're going to sit down, we're going to talk about it, we're going to impress. You know, what's God's view? And he wants us to have more compassion. And thank you that you taught me to laugh at life and work hard and the good things that you gave. Let's, let's let that grow and let the resentments of the others grow. And then let's hold each other accountable. You're doing that thing again, Dad, where you're making us feel ashamed. Or are you doing that thing, Dad, where you're getting angry because because you feel like you're losing control. And, and when, when you can talk about it, it becomes this amazing, wonderful thing. You know, another dynamic, and this is so huge, we got to get back to this, is that this generation of grandparents has such an important role with this, parent, this group. And, and this is whether or not, by the way, somebody's saying, I don't have kids, none of this applies to me. If you're an aunt or an uncle, you can fill a box. If, if you are an older person without grandkids, you can find some kids, you can fill a box. And, and, and grandparents who go through life and life beats them up, and, and the edges and some of their brokenness goes away, they can speak such wisdom, such life, such goodness into this. I, I just can't wait to be a grandparent. Because it's like a second chance on parenting, right? And it's like you don't have to change a diaper, and you don't have to keep them at night. And so, so it's awesome, right? I don't want any grandchildren now, if any of my children are listening. <laughs> you may not have to do that. All right, so, so that, that's the thing, all right? 
But the point is, is that there's a dynamic here. And so my call to you this week is to do two things. Is to one, grab the devotion and ask some deep questions about what you're putting in your box. And, and what is in your box? And what are the things? And maybe if you're brave, ask some people who love you. What do you see? And, and, and see, you know, I, I see some anger. I see some guilt that you live with. And by the way, if you feel guilt, you're almost certainly guilting others. Did you hear what I just said? If you feel guilt, you're almost certainly passing that on. That was for somebody. Okay? And, 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 and again, so, so what's in my box? And then what are the things that I'm passing on that I don't want to pass on anymore? And, and, and that's the one thing. I, I want you to think about filling a box this week. Fill in a box this week. And, and, and it, it, it can come in a, a lot of different ways. Before I do that, let me, let me tell you um, a, a couple tools we got. First tool is, is uh, jacobswellchurch.church. If you go to that backslash parenting page, if you haven't been there for a while, there have got to be a hundred different resources there for just about anything that you're dealing with that's complicated. You can go to the resource center. You can go to, to Right Now Media. We have actually highlighted on our Right Now Media page multiple parenting resources that would help you with all kinds of different things. You could, on your way out, grab one of these. What this is, we have our preview. This is like a special calendar slash preview just for Jacob's Well families. And it's all the trainings, all the events. You got Jacob's Well students on the back. You got Jacob's Well kids. And we are working hard to set you up for success, to make you the spiritual champions in your kid's life. If your mentality is that we're, you're going to drop them off and we're going to fix them, we're not that good, okay? And it's actually your calling and, and your job. And, and so you could do that as well. Don't forget these two events coming up. One, Doug Fields is going to be here in two weeks. He's going to teach you some teaching on marriage, some teaching on parenting. Incredibly just important leader in family ministry in, 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 in the evangelical world. Really, really cool. And then this other thing we've been talking about for a long time is protect young eyes. And this is about the danger of what happens on their phones, on their tablets. And, and you're going to do one of two things if, you don't, if you're going to get extreme. You're either going to take it all away, which is not possible anymore in this age. Okay? Or you're going to tell you, it's just com- too complicated, I can't do anything. There are ways that you can help your kids live in the world they are called to live in where you start protecting them. And if you're not aware of the evil and the vile stuff that's coming across, man... It, it just, it just, it can blow you away. Okay, so those are some of the resources. L- let, me, let me challenge you to fill someone's box in this way. Um, I, I've told you I've done our genealogy, and I've really enjoyed that. Gone back, you know, 13, 15 generations in different, different lines of the tree. Learned all kinds of things about the amazing people who made it possible for me to be here. It's an amazing thing, if you think about that. And I remember um, growing up, I had an aunt. Her name was Auntie Grace. And I did not know Auntie Grace very well. She was my dad's sister. She was the older sister. She took care of my dad, who was also a baby. Uh, Mom died. And so they had a very special relationship. She really loved my dad. And whenever I would see her, and we'd see her at Christmas, we'd see her at different times, she would always make a point of finding me. And she would always look me in the eye. And she didn't do this with others. She did this with me. And she, she asked about me and asked about school and asked where they're going. And then she, 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 she would look at me in the eye and say, you, ha- you, 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 have, you have something important to do. And she would say this. She said, you're a birth hume. You're a birth hume. And I didn't know what that meant. And, and, and years later now, since I've done the, the family tree, I've gone back and I have realized that the generation that she was part of we were, they were a pretty messed up generation. Addiction and alcohol had come in, and in one generation, the family had squandered a fortune. And, and they had just hit, it, hit a hard, hard place. 
But the generation, in fact, the two generations before that had built a business, a grocery business, out of anything, and they had become significant, incredible people, leaders in the community in Superior, Wisconsin. They were movers and shakers. Now, before that, the generations before that, generation two, they moved down from Canada. This is my mom's side, my, my dad's side, and, and they, they traveled to Minnesota, Wisconsin, when it really, they weren't even states yet, and, and there weren't roads, and there wasn't anything here, and they came, and they built things here. And, and, and then before that, a couple generations before that, multiple generations before that, uh, my, my people primarily lived in Montreal on my, on my mom's side. And, and they are the founders. They're one of the four founders of the city of Montreal. There's a plaque that has my ancestor's name in the city of Montreal. Before that, the people who came, uh, Joseph Archambeau was the first one on my mom's side who came, crossed an ocean when that was a big deal. When, when you're kind of saying, okay, mom, I'm going to this new country Bye, I'll never see you again. And, and encourage, crossed an ocean and established life. One of my ancestors, her name was Catherine Renard. She, she was kind of, it seems like in the family tree, kind of an illimit, illegitimate child of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a, uh, an uncle. She was sent as a, as a, a, uh, uh, a, a send away for mail order wife for one of my first relatives in Canada. She had 14 children. Apparently the marriage worked out. So, 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 so that... And, and there are other people in France, and they owned land, and they had family there. And then the family got so large that people had to come to the other side of the ocean. And, and there's all these incredible people and all these different things. And, and what my, my aunt wanted to say is that, listen, you come from somewhere. And there were really strong people that did really amazing things. And that strength is in you. And she was a person of deep faith. And I think she would say, because I believe she's in heaven, she would say, and, and that, 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 that faith that is in you... And that goodness in, is, it was in them is in you too. And so you have something to contribute. You are part of a bigger story. And what she did is fill my box. See what I'm saying? And so when you're actively thinking about what's in me and what comes from me, you know, we always talk about the bad things we tend to get from our parents. We got a lot of good things too. And when you recognize that, that you're passing it on, you're part of a bigger story, it absolutely changes everything. So in the spirit of next steps, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to pick up a devotion. Start doing that spiritual work of you learning to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then ask yourself some questions about, you know, uh, how am I doing in terms of filling another person's box? Do I need to grab one of these calendars? Do I need to look at some of that training? Do I need to ask myself some questions about how much time I'm giving for family. Maybe one of the cool things you could do, and I just challenge you, this just off the cuff. Call somebody from the generation before you. Hopefully it can be your parents if they're still here, or an aunt and uncle, and go see them and ask them a bunch of questions. But what it was like to grow up, and what you learned, and what was hard, and what was good, and what you saw. You'll learn a lot about yourself. And you see what they overcame, you'll learn a lot of what you can overcame. There are wonderful steps you can take when you start asking yourself the question, what's in your box? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much um, that you are a God who calls us to great things. And the Shema is a calling to see you as the one true God, the God who loves and the God who teaches us to love, a God who calls us to passions and to do great things, a God who calls us to see that we came from someplace and now we have entrusted with things that we are called to give to those who are coming behind us. And so, Father God, as we, we, we uh, think about what's in our box this week, help us just be honest and help us just to bring those things that maybe are broken or hurtful to you and let you redeem them. And Father God, then, then give us the courage to, to see those things that were good in our box that maybe we pushed to the bottom 
that maybe we can start seeing those things emerge in the most beautiful way. As parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles, as friends of, 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 of families, help us just to fill boxes, Father God, with the things of you because you're so good and uh, you're so worthy. And we just pray for you to help us lead our families in these complicated times. In Jesus' name, amen.